one. There it is. <laughs> All right. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is a beautiful, beautiful Monday. And if you want to be happy, effective, and successful, you will want to tune in to today's episode. We're going to have some fun. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, there it is. Welcome back, everybody. It is a brand new week, and uh, I am super excited. Uh, everybody, I, I just want to thank everybody that has uh, signed on, and uh, for anybody that hasn't, I still need, I'm this close, I got like 15 more subscribers that I need for YouTube. So if you are listening, watching, wherever you are, uh, head on over to YouTube, do a search for the Practicing Polyamory Podcast, and hit that subscribe button for me, please, so that we can get, uh, so that I can get my custom URL, and you can go to www.youtube.com slash practicingpolya. Uh, and that'll make it super easy so that everybody can find it quick and easy. And speaking of, uh, if you wouldn't mind, subscribe, follow me everywhere on social media at Practicing Polyay. Uh, that's where you can find me. Okay, number two. Second thing, I'm really, really excited about this. I have scored an interview with Dr. Eli Chef next Friday. Next Friday, March 26th at 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern. She's the author of The Polyamorists Next Door, and she is the foremost expert on polyamorous families. So if you have questions for her, send me a DM on any social media. Again, Practicing Poly A. Uh, and before her interview next week, please, if you're listening, watching, go to www.bondingproject.com and take the bonding type test to get an idea of your bonding style. So there's there's four categories. There's uh, one-to-one, one-to-many, many-to-many, uh, and the last one is solo, and then just kind of gauging your comfort in each of those. It's a really, really cool um, project, really cool test. So go over there to bondingproject.com and take that uh, because we're going to be talking about that next Friday, again, 11 a.m., 2 uh, p.m. Eastern time. All right, so that's my spiel for now. I'm not going to get into the other stuff. Let me just quickly introduce our guest. Today's amazing guest is someone who believes in the very best of people's abilities. She knows that we all want generally the same things, to be happy, effective, and successful in our personal and, personal and professional lives. Not only do we all want these things, but we all know what we need to do to achieve them. Doing those things, however, is easier said than done, but our guest today can help us get there. I'm excited to speak with someone whose authentic nature is undeniable and who loves to be her genuine self without fear of judgment from others. She hopes that by sharing her life story, it inspires others to do the same. Tune in to hear more about how she approaches her relationships with honesty, transparency, and reassurance that direct communication can resolve most anything. Joining us today from Colorado Springs, welcome to the show, Dr. Rachel Mayer. That's the idea. It's a happy show, happy day. Uh, Dr. Mayer, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, should I call you Dr. Mayer, Rachel? 
preference? Whatever floats your boat. Yeah, yeah right. I'm an expert in my own life, but not yours. So <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, why don't we start by having you tell a little bit about yourself, uh, your practice and uh, your his, just general history. Tell me a little bit about you. Sure, sure. Born and raised in Colorado. You don't find too many of us anymore natives, but uh, proud to say that. And uh, got my degree, first my bachelor from the University of Colorado in Boulder. Uh, later moved to California and spent some time in the Bay Area where I got my doctorate in clinical and health psychology. Hmm. Came back and worked at a hospital in Denver, uh, Denver Health, if anyone's familiar with it, here for about a decade. Um, up until the point that my husband and I, which he, by the way, I met when we were 18, so we've been together about 21 wow. years now. Uh, kind of got sick of the rat race, decided to quit everything and up and moved to Mexico where he lived as expats for about Whoa. three years. Yes. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Absolutely amazing. Um, and in that process of about 18 to, I guess, 38 years old, um, we also learned a lot about ourselves. We learned mm -hmm. um, that we did not want to have kids and we actually went on a national TV show to talk about not having kids. And then in Mexico? Later, uh, no, this was actually before moving. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yep, yep. But part of, I guess, this being your true authentic self was this evolution of realizing truly who we were, what we wanted, and not following sort of mainstream beliefs and expectations. So that was the first about a decade ago when we talked about not wanting to have, not wanting to have kids. Mm -hmm. And then we, yeah, quit everything, moved to Mexico, and said you don't have to live a life of working for 60 years before you get to retire. You can make choices now that bring happiness and joy. And then sort of simultaneous to the progression in both the professional world and uh, personal world in terms of the kids, we also learned more about polyamory. First starting in the swinging and lifestyle arena, later turned into for a variety of reasons we can certainly talk about, but wanting something longer term, um, building a relationship with someone. And then mm -hmm, that led mm -hmm. me to ultimately continuing opening a private practice that focused on polyamorous and other ethical non-monogamous relationships. Nice. Very cool. So you've been uh, practicing yourself for quite some time uh, and plenty of experience and you actually focused your, your practice specifically for the non-monogamous community. I did. And, and part of that changed um, because we met, my husband and I met our now girlfriend who we are in an ethical triad relationship with. And in talking with a lot of people and as a psychologist, recognizing that there was a real special need for someone who not only is open and affirming, but actually practices and understands mm -hmm. it, that um, with COVID and the pandemic and opening up teletherapy, just realized that this could be a population with whom I could have pretty great impact. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's uh, part of the reason why I started this podcast as well is, you know, to be able to provide that resource for um, for our community, you know, and when it comes right down to it, it's right. it's all about the community. It's all about the love. <laughs> and educating and inspiring and being an advocate that um, it doesn't have to be so hidden and stereotypical and behind closed doors. And I think with lack of knowledge becomes misconception. And so the more that we can educate and make people aware, the more that we can lower those misconceptions or well, yeah. I, you know, I 100% agree with you. So there's, there was a third uh, part of my monologue spiel to open the thing up, which is basically, you know, inviting anybody who wants to be part of the show to 
come on and be a guest. It doesn't matter, you know, what your story is, if you're polyamorous or polycurious or a professional serving the community. And then, you know, I go through the whole gay, lesbian, straight, queer, NBA, whatever, like everybody's welcome to the show. And I end it with this. It says, the more stories we hear, the more the world learns about us and the better we can serve our community. And you've really taken that to heart. That's so true. It really is because it's not a one size fits all. You can't put people into a mold. You really just have to find, I think, what's true to you, what you believe, what feels good, what brings you joy and happiness and Mm -hmm. be okay with that and be confident with it, that it's your choice and not anyone else's. And that's really, from what, from what it sounds like, that's a really big part of your practice and the way that you, uh, that you help your, your patients, Uh, patients or clients. I prefer clients, you know, the people that are hiring me for a service, but at the end of the day, I, of course there's, there can be diagnosis, there can be conditions, but the people within my work, I really sort of, like I said to you, I, I don't claim to be an expert in their lives. I might see them at most for an hour a week and to, mm-hmm. you know, be able to say that I can tell you what to do with your life doesn't fit. And so I think patient in a way has a, a little more of that meaning behind it, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, with the clients with whom I work, I think, um, helping them to overcome any self-imposed or external externally imposed judgments expectations so many people say i should do this or i need to do this and really understanding well what do you want to do and what are you going to do Mm -hmm. because it's what is important to you and not because Mm -hmm. of the way that you were taught or raised or expected to believe or told that we need to operate in today's day and age right and so yeah people come to that conclusion for themselves and being okay with that belief system or way of operating yeah yeah I, I love it. I mean, it's there's uh, a lot of self uh, self acceptance. Uh, the term that I've heard before is like radical self acceptance and and radical self love. Uh, that should language that you mentioned is definitely something that is like pervasive to me personally. I'm all I, uh, I'm my own worst critic. I'm just always beating myself up. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. You know, I should 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 should. And one of the things that uh, I read about you and that I talked about in your in your intro is that deep down inside, we all know those things that we need to do to take ourselves over the hump, to get ourselves to that next level. A lot of that, it feels like to me, is that should language, but there's there's got to be something more to it. How do, how do you help people get around or past that should language? and really come into themselves. And I think that's partly where the dilemma exists or where it becomes challenging for people because is it should language because I should do it because I really want to and this is what I desire because when you're intrinsically motivated to do something and you're pulled because it's something that you absolutely want and find fulfilling for your life, Mm -hmm. you'll hop out of bed and you'll do it and there'll be nothing stopping you. But when it's something that you're feeling pressured or compelled to do because it's someone else's vision for you or because that's what you've been taught and it's too hard to stand up against it, then we tell ourselves we should do this rather than that's actually what I want to do, right? And so when we can Mm -hmm. come to an acceptance and understanding that, yes, maybe I was raised raised with really strict religious upbringing that maybe I don't now partake in or it doesn't fit my own belief systems, how can I accept that that's what those who love me taught me or that's the community I grew up in and sort of this 
weighing multiple or, or holding space for multiple emotions or multiple ways of viewing things. Yes, this was part of me and this is who I am now. And how do I sort of meld that together to be able to make new meaning out of maybe what I was taught or to also let go of the things that aren't serving me now to move forward in a way that I feel fits me or serves me. And then it's no longer a should, it's really truly I want to or I will because it's important to me. If that yeah. makes a little bit of sense. It does, it does. There's uh, one thing that you said in there, it's the letting go, that letting go of, I don't know, maybe like a former identity. Right. Um, one of the one of our, my, my previous guests, she said that um, when we have shame about something that that should language, I think it's kind of related to shame in a way. Um, but when we have any kind of shame about something, it's because there's there's some part of us that believes that whatever that external forces, whatever that external communication is, some part of us believes that there's truth to it. And so what you're talking about is letting go of, of that, letting go of that identity that thinks that that should language. Is that kind of what, what we're talking about here? Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. And when you look at it from what we call CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, an approach is these things are often deeply ingrained from very early on. And many times these messages or core beliefs the things that we were taught are part of the developmental process that those are really very, very deep. And so it feels like part of an identity. It feels like who we are versus recognizing maybe that we have different parts of ourselves and some can have more weight or that they are you know, always evolving or changing. And something that I talk a lot about with my clients is what we call acceptance and commitment therapy and accepting that you can have competing or multiple or differing parts of yourself experiences. Sometimes there's trauma, sometimes there's excitement, sometimes there's fear, sometimes there's happiness. It's like the weather, you have mm -hmm. it all, right? And you don't have to let anyone compel you or to hold on tight and you can also choose to let it go to say it served me for that time or I understand how and why it came to be part of my life and is it something that I need to continue to hold on to is it the baggage I need to continue to carry with me now or can I let it go leave it behind accept it for what it was and commit to where I want to head in the future knowing who I am today or who my identity is today that's super interesting except uh accepting all of these competing ideas, it, I guess it, it's still more of that radical self-acceptance of, you know, there is a part of me that is expecting me to basically work 24-7, right? I'm a little bit of a work workaholic, just a tiny bit. Uh, but then there's the other part of me, the competing part that says, dude, you got to relax. Like, you got to take some time to yourself. And I need to figure out how to be okay with both of these competing ideologies. Yeah, maybe. And, and looking at what it is and where that stems from. So this idea that you have to work or you should work 24 seven, is it because we live in the society where that's the message and mm -hmm. it's never good enough. And once you hit one level of achievement, you're expected to continue on and grow, grow, grow. Or is that really truly who you are and you get a lot of fulfillment out of your work and you love what you do mm -hmm. and you recognize that there are only 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, and you have other competing interests and things that 
provide you fulfillment? And do you want to find a way that gives you more balance, allows you to feel successful in the job that you do because you want to? Or again, is that because that's what you think you should be doing and now you're battling that mm. and trying to compete it with the other things you actually would like to be doing or want to be doing for yourself? That would be if I was doing that, <laughs> trying to figure out what's actually underlying that. But food I love it. probably to think through for yourself. I love it. There, there's so much meat on that bone right there that we could we could talk about that all day but uh i want to get a little bit technical with you if you don't mind sure. uh you mentioned cbt cognitive behavioral therapy mm -hmm. and i'm not a psychologist you know i haven't been educated in this stuff i've done a little bit of reading cbt uh, dbt is another one right right dialectical behavior therapy correct there are some others can you kind of give me an idea of what some of these differences are. Um, I, I can't remember. There's a, there's an E one also. Evidence-based? Evidence-based therapies. All of, all of these that you're naming thus far are what we would consider evidence-based therapies, meaning that there's been scientific research done to compare, you know, in a um, sort of confined research study, you know, where the variables are, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, Controlled? Anyways. Control, thank you. They're controlled. They <laughs> you can you. actually say that this technique, this skill set is effective for changing this type of thought or this type of behavior or action, right? And so those are all evidence-based therapies and they just come from different theoretical approaches or underpinnings that would explain human behavior or human emotion. And sometimes for different conditions or diseases that you might be trying to treat or address, it doesn't necessarily say that one is better than the other or that you should necessarily choose out something over another. I think at the end of the day, it's often, again, when you're talking about your true authentic self, what speaks to you and or if you've tried a therapy and it hasn't worked to try a different approach and see if that also fits with you. Um, you know, when we talk just sort of direct one, one therapy to the other, CBT, you're looking at changing thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, and that they're interconnected. And sometimes just because you don't feel like doing something, if you get up and make yourself do it, then the feeling comes afterwards and then you mm -hmm. have better thoughts or sometimes fake it till you make it right. Put on that mm -hmm, smile mm -hmm. helps you to then all of a sudden get different interpersonal re reactions from people, which may change your thoughts and your emotions, right? Act, what I was talking about, acceptance and commitment therapy takes a different approach of understanding that we can hold space for competing emotions, competing experience and make sense of them sort of in the psychological flexibility type of mentality or DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, in, in some ways also has this component of holding both. You can have good and bad simultaneous. You can have dialectical thoughts, competing sort of thoughts. And it has a lot to do with radical, radical acceptance and being able to better process and express emotions. So really, it kind of just depends on, on what the issue is, what's underlying, and what's going to be the best method of helping support a client in their journey. So you said that all of these three that you talked about, ACT, um, CBT, and DBT, these all fall under the umbrella of evidence-based? Yeah, along with 50 others, probably. Okay, okay. Is there like an opposite of evidence-based? Uh, Firewalking? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe. Okay. Um, All right. I mean, things that, that uh, there could be some, uh, someone would think you do some sort of intervention and it's going to work, but if it hasn't been studied, it hasn't been tested, there hasn't been a controlled population, you know, something where you have that research basis, that would be non-evidence-based. It doesn't Got necessarily, it. in my opinion, say it's not going to work. I'm also a big believer that if you think it's going to work, it's going to work. Um, <laughs> however, I would probably encourage most people to seek out something that is an evidence-based treatment approach, at least initially. I love it. I love it. From, so, yeah. All right. Kind of going back a little bit, one of the things that you were talking about when uh, we were talking about CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, was the fake it till you make it approach. The idea of when you take action, then the feeling follows. Um, my brother and I, we have this conversation all the time. That's that's him right back there. Uh, other side. Anyway, uh, we have this conversation all the time. He is very much the do it, just take the action and the feeling will follow. Uh, when we started podcasting almost three years ago, uh, he was like, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do this every day and, you know, whatever. I was like, I thought he was crazy. I thought he was nuts. Um, but here we are almost three years later and we've been doing our other podcast, the Business Bros Pod, for that entire time. We're almost at 700 episodes now. And the feeling did follow. For me, when I when we started it, I was like, "No, like this is crazy. Like I can't. Like I'm I'm gonna do it because you're my brother, and you know, whatever. But like this is this is nuts. Like it took me, you know, several beers to get into the flow of it when we were first starting out. But now here I am doing my own podcast because it. You were right. Like the the, the feeling followed. But by the same token, I'm the I'm the argumentative one with when uh, in that situation, right? I'm like, no, like for me to get work done, I have to be in the right mindset. Like I have to, if, if I'm not in a good mindset, right. my work is crap. Right. So is that something different from CBT? No, we we address both, and so sometimes, and it, it can be very dependent on each individual what works better. And so, for some people, what we call behavioral activation, which would be more your brother's approach, just get up and do it, and the thoughts and feelings will change. For other people, it's actually addressing the cognition, the thoughts behind it, and helping to figure out how to get into that state of mind or have the emotions that then you can get up and act the behaviors or do the action that you want to do. And so, a lot of that we'll talk with people around insecurities, maybe issues with self-esteem or self-confidence. Mm -hmm. Are they worthy? Uh, what are the worst case scenario fears that are going to happen if I start this podcast and I look like an idiot? You know, <laughs> I mean, you you can definitely start to tackle the thought process behind it and say, okay, well, I like to use the example of a, a coin. And if you and I were sitting here looking at each other and I'm holding up a coin, you see tails and I see heads, it's both absolutely our reality, our truth. They're both absolutely correct. But if we flip it around, then all of a sudden you see heads and I see tails. So it's, can you take your thought and also recognize that there's a different perspective or a different way of viewing the situation and that our thoughts aren't always 100% truth and reality, that sometimes it's just need, needing to flip them on their head or to see a different uh, a way of perceiving it that then gives us a different feeling, emotion mm -hmm. that perpetuates change in action or behavior. I love it. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, personally, I do a lot of um, meditation and journaling. 
Um, like those are the things that really help me get, get over that hump, you know? Um, but man, there, there are some days where I, I'm, I'm just journaling all day. I, I, I can't, I can't get over that hump. Is there anything like other than just journaling and meditation that I should be trying? I mean, there's probably a whole bunch of things that we could do. And I mean, we could list off whether it's exercise or yoga or changing your diet or socialization, friends, having mm -hmm. conversations, maybe just taking a nap, maybe you're burnt out and anything's overwhelming. I mean, the list could probably go on forever and ever of what could be done. And then this is also where I might approach or bring in the acceptance and commitment therapy approaches. Are you just trying to push or do so much or tell yourself you should be doing this or you should be able to snap out of it. Whereas maybe that's a day that you're just feeling a little bit down and that's okay because to have the contrast of experiencing lows and highs or happiness and sadness, you need it all. And if we always lived in this state of bliss and utopia, that's sort of unnatural and abnormal in and of itself. Wait, and so instead maybe just appreciating. You're blowing my mind right now. It's it's okay for me to have a bad day. It's okay for that. me to 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 not work some days. Yeah, I I would encourage that, and I would encourage more acceptance of that being okay. Because the more that we avoid something or push it away, I tell you, don't think about a white elephant. No matter what you do, do not think about a white elephant. What's I'm thinking happen. about a white elephant. Right. And so if we try yeah. to avoid and we try to tell ourselves we shouldn't be doing something and put it away and try to change direction, it's almost like you get more of what you're trying not to have rather than just allowing it to rise to the surface, like quicksand, rather than mm -hmm. trying to fight quicksand and keep digging yourself out of it, accept it, allow it to just naturally allow your body to float up to the top. That's, that's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm really so hard on myself. Uh, I'll tell, you know, anybody who will listen, sleep is for the week, water's for the week, bathroom breaks are for the week, everything. It's, it's all for the week, right? Like, it's all about just stay strong, stay on it, keep going, keep going. But there are definitely days where I, I, I can't live up to that. And I beat myself up so badly. And I, I guarantee that the people listening right now, um, many people listening right now feel the same way. Like they, they just, they want to be able to get out of bed and do the work that they, that they are convinced that they should be doing, right. That they need to be doing. And some days it's just, it's just hard, you know, and, and, and we can't always, we can't always do it. Um, but there's gotta be like, um, a point where, you know, taking a day off because it's too much, like that, that becomes, that becomes too much. Right. If you're taking right? a day off every other day and that becomes three days and then that becomes a week and now it's a month later, yeah, this is a very different situation. Something else that we need to address that there's an underlying root cause and maybe some depression or persistent issue that needs to absolutely be addressed. And that would be different. You know, it's, it's, one thing to work so hard and, and really go at it and be a go-getter and motivated and want to have a successful podcast and then be okay saying enough's enough. I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed. I just need to have a day to rejuvenate and fill my cup versus yes, the other. And that's recognizing when it's tipped the scale and obviously into something that's unhealthy versus it being just as unhealthy to go, go, go and not give yourself that time away in that break. Any tips on recognizing 
when that scale is tipped? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it would be part of the journaling. If you are a journaler starting to watch those entries and are they negative after negative and day after day and are other people in your life noticing? Are people commenting? Are you not getting up and following your typical routine, taking a shower? hopefully almost daily, uh, mm-hmm. getting dressed, you know, putting yourself together, Are you finding difficulty in concentration, increased irritability, sleep issues. I mean, certainly a whole list of, I guess, things that would be more or less not you, right? Are you mm-hmm. starting to no longer feel yourself, but on a consistent basis or the time frames in which you're feeling that way get longer and longer. And when I talk about, you know, being okay to be sad or, or take a day, literally maybe that maybe you know we all cannot even have bad weeks but Mm -hmm. anything two weeks or more for sure i would start to say let's take a look at what's happening and that would that would almost be pushing it for something that's not a a categorized or diagnosed condition that you have we're just talking about you know quote unquote normal human living yeah yeah because there i mean we we all have cycles right we all have hormones and uh you know sometimes I, I i call it a myriad right where i'm you know i'm on my myriad like i'm just having that that bad week where i just can't handle like right. I, right right exactly like i just i can't handle anything that week um and you know we're just we're we're human and and, and we go through this but if we start to see it two weeks three weeks right. whatever longer than um we call a professional yeah. And, and the other thing I would add is if it causes dysfunction in your life, that's another key where you literally you're it's interrupting your work. It's interrupting your relationships. It's interrupting school. You're not functioning anymore. Sometimes mm-hmm. we can still function even if we're having a bad day or a bad week. That would be another key indicator. But yeah, I would absolutely call. You can start with just your PCP, your regular doctor. You can certainly reach out. Psychology Today is a great website that anywhere in your area, you can locate therapists, mental health professionals. Um, even sometimes, you know, talking to your social network, your community, your peeps, your pastor, church, someone that's just willing to listen. And I'm mm-hmm. a big, big promoter and advocator of just venting and sometimes just getting it off your chest and having another set of eyes and ears can be helpful in and of itself. Um, but knowing when to ask for help and being okay asking for help and letting go of maybe stigmas or shoulds or expectations or, you know, those other stereotype stigmas that we might have of getting help or what it means to express emotion, I would encourage people to also be okay doing that. Perfect. Rachel, Dr. Meyer, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with me today. Uh, Before we head off, uh, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, tell the, tell the audience how they can get in touch with you if they want to work with you. Yep, absolutely. And I see you've been putting my IG handle and also my really, or, uh, website link down at the bottom. So those are great ways. Um, you can email me. It's drdr.rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, Meyer, M-E-I-R, at gmail.com. Um, but those are probably the, the fastest, easiest ways to get a hold of me for sure. Perfect. Uh, are you available for anybody uh, in Colorado, anybody outside of Colorado? Colorado and about 14 other states that I don't have the list in front of me, but um, that I do have the ability to work with because of really because of COVID and some other things mm-hmm. are interstate and jurisdictional regulations right now. So um, I would just say, try me, reach out to me. And if I can't help you, I'll certainly get you connected with someone who can. 
Perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Meyer. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. I feel like I've learned so much um, and, you know, it's it's been wonderful. Uh, and thank you also to our live audience, as always, for tuning in today. Uh, as a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same cannot be said for the podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday at uh, 2.30 um, Pacific time. Uh, otherwise, sign up for our Patreon where you get the commercial free RSS feed and you know, whatever you can support me. I'll appreciate it. Love you all. And, um, you can get Q and a with our upcoming guests. So, um, that's it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Mayer for hanging out today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. I love your show. You do a great job. Oh, thank you it. so much. Thank you so much. All right, everybody else have a, have a nice day. Nice day. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash